You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 90. I'm bringing back Ben Stapler to talk about how to get a great video testimony interview. Let's do this. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Hughes, who drinks eight ounces of water a day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. It's where church communications are fun, Instagram is life, and nobody feels like an idiot. I'm Seth, and I'm glad to be with you. Today, I'm bringing back uh, a conversation I had um, several months ago with a guy named Ben Stapley. Now, Ben was at Liquid Church, and now he's at a church in Florida, and he's he's a really gifted uh, storyteller, videographer, announcements guy. I mean, just he's been kind of around in church communications for a while. And uh, one of the things in this conversation I thought that was really, really great that I wanted to bring back, bring it back for is that we talk at length about how to get great testimony interviews. And it's just one of those, those shows, those conversations where we don't just talk about like what you should do. We talk about where to get music. We talk about how to write questions. We talk about how to lead a person through an interview, how to get great camera, uh, angles. And, and I mean, it's very detailed and practical and it's just, it's probably one of the most valuable, uh, 40 minutes or so that I've ever gotten recorded to be honest, because it is just so timelessly valuable. And I think that if any of you are trying to do video or trying to do testimonies, you can share this with your creative pastors or your people that are doing video, your videographers or whatever, and they're going to really benefit from Ben's wisdom on how to do this well. Um, a side note that I, I like to mention is when I when I recorded this podcast, uh, we, we had the video on, but we weren't actually going to use the video but I could see Ben and I turned my video off and he didn't turn his off. And so the whole time Ben was spinning in a chair really slow while he talked to me and he would talk to the walls and things around. And there were times with his back to me and I should have taken a picture and I didn't. And it was hilarious, but Ben was just all over the place, but he was just kind of spouting off wisdom the whole time. So I didn't want to stop him or anything and let him know he was, I was actually could see him. But this is just a great conversation. Get the show notes. I'll redo them again at uh, sethmuse.com slash 90. And uh, you can get some of the links and, and stuff that we talk about in the, in this show. And there's going to be several, especially when it comes to where to find uh, tracks for your for music, for your videos, and how and, and things like that. So um, if, if you like this show and it really helps you out, it would help me out. If you could go to iTunes and give me a rating and review, share this with your friends, tell people to subscribe. I would really, really appreciate it. And I'm not going to talk anymore. So here we go. We're going to get into this great conversation with Ben Stapley. Check it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, I have Ben Stapley on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about video and video interviews, and I'm really excited about that. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Glad to have you, man. Seth, great to be here. Love your content. Love your platform. Love your audience. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And I've been watching some stuff you've done on Instagram lately. Um, a lot of little short mini episodes about different things like announcements in a series. And, and it was one you, what, Which one are you doing now? 
Oh gosh, I, I usually schedule things with um, <laughs> with Hootsuite, so I forget what I'm scheduled and what is going live. I believe it was live right now. If you were to check me out, this is the um, that being said, this is the beginning of February. Is how to run an awesome band audition. Yeah, that's and, what it was. Um, yeah, that's what we're in the midst of right now. Yeah, that's that's been really cool stuff. So following you on Instagram is going to be great. So hang around. We'll give you those handles at the end. Uh, ben, just tell us a little bit about you and where you're from, where you work, and uh, what you do there. Yeah, um, I've been in the church world working for almost 15 years now at this point, and uh, I've always had a heart to communicate. And if we have the best uh, message to communicate, the fact that uh, we we have a chance, a second chance with God, man, then we should do the best job at it. So to me, it feels like a, it's a privilege to work in the church world as a communicator, because I feel you know, we're not selling uh, the newest pair of Nikes. We're not trying to pit vote versus Coke versus Pepsi. Um, we're communicating uh, the best news that there is out there, and I, I have a passion for that. Uh, I'm currently at Liquid Church. I've been the creative arts pastor here for about a year, and under that umbrella, I get a chance to oversee the video department, worship department, uh, church online, and service programming. So a lot of things under that umbrella. It's a privilege to do it uh, here at Liquid Church. Wow. Yeah, that is a, that's a, that is a very large hat. That you're wearing, several hats you're wearing. So, well, at the liquid at Liquid Church, I know that you guys really do online church really well, and you do digital really well and video really well. Uh, having seen some of the stuff you do, so I imagine you do a lot of video interviews. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We um, we try to leverage as much video content as we can. It's kind of production. It can be production heavy. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be production heavy, but uh, especially as we move into an age in which the di- the distribution options for that video content are so large that uh, we, we kind of even did it before social platforms were out there, social media platforms were out there. Yeah. Uh, but for churches who are on the fence as to, hey, do we invest? Do we have the pastor talk on a, on a camera for, for two minutes? Do we, do we integrate video and video testimonies or interviews to some degree at all? I would push everybody on that fence over and say you have so many vehicles and avenues of communication and distribution out there. Do it because there's a lot of audiences waiting for that great content and you're there ready to give it to them. Yeah. And I think now the age that we're in with the advent of the glorious iPhone and smartphones of other labeled brands that I don't use, um, there, the video there and the audio even is so good that even the smaller churches can build a really great video department without spending loads and loads of money on equipment. Yeah. And the other thing too, is a lot of times the artists are an under-resourced volunteer base in a church. So you have people who are good at leading, uh, we'll give you leadership capacities. You're good with kids. We'll plug you into family. Um, you know, you're, um, you're social. We'll have you lead a group. You're an artist. Gosh, um, we don't know what to do with you. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. Unless you're a musician, we know how to integrate you that way. But beyond that, it's hard. And you have a, a whole, um, growing segment of videographers, producers, storytellers in your church that would love to be able to use their skill set in a church setting. You just haven't asked them. You haven't given them a platform or an avenue to use their skill set. So for me, uh, it's it's a great chance to get people off the sidelines and get them into the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that. And I love that you guys focus on that so well, um, leading kind of leading the charge for a lot of churches that, that know about what you do. Um, when you're doing an interview, 
let's let's talk about these these uh, video interviews really quick mm-hmm. uh, or mm-hmm. not. And and when you're when you're putting together an interview, what do you think a video interview is? So, why do you think that's so powerful? There's three main reasons why we really leverage uh, video interviews uh, is because they're visual, they're editable, and they have reach. So visual, first of all, it's a chance to show and tell the gospel. So if someone were to say, man, my life was changed, my life was turned upside down, man, if you had somebody who uh, was living um, on the streets who had, or had a, um, and they were able to, someone was able to give them a leg up and was able to change their life and get the house over their head, bringing that person back on the street to the bridge where they used to sleep every night shows their, te- their story. And once you make it visual, once you show it and tell it, uh, it becomes a lot more memorable and impactful for life. So it's just a visual medium, and you're able to show what you're talking about. First of all, is a stronger storytelling technique than just telling what's happening. Um, the next thing uh, I always tell people is it's editable. So you might have a great story, um, but it might be a winding path. And for somebody to talk about it live is going to be too long. So once you're able to edit that story and to compress it into the restraints of your service time, uh, it makes it a, a much more compact storytelling experience. Uh, because of that, I always encourage people to leverage videotaping the stories when possible. And then the last thing is the reach. I already mentioned this before. Uh, gone is the day where the, the content that you create ends after your services. You have to think, you know, like, gosh, man, even 20 years ago, um, a preacher would spend 15, 20, 25, 30 hours preparing a message. They would preach it maybe once on Sunday, and then all that work would stop right there. Right. Uh, and now, you know, we, we, uh, we started duplicating that cassettes and CDs and audio. Well, now we're able to do that with our video format as well. Yeah. That once it's done Sunday, man, that thing can live on your social, on your websites. It just goes so much farther, and I would say it goes so much beyond and even farther than its reach on a Sunday morning. So your audience, double, quadruple, really the sky's the limit, post-Sunday with your video content, where everything else, right, it just lives on Sunday. You got it in a video format? Man, let's let's start getting that out the door and see where it goes. Yeah, I think that's one of the strongest reasons when you're when you're looking at it versus a live interview, a video interview versus a live interview. Why would you do video instead of live? You know, and I, I've done things where we like show parts of the video and then we bring them on stage and kind of complete it. And there's ways those can work together. But when you're doing just an interview, you know, if we're picking one way or the other, I think you just made a really great great case for doing it on video um, because of that. It lives forever and it takes less time. You know, that right there. I know every person planning a service out there is trying to figure out how to get seconds back in services mm-hmm. so, that, mm-hmm. so that people can go out to eat at Golden Corral or wherever they're going afterwards. You know, I don't know if you have that up here, but that's like what we have down here. Golden Corral. Anybody have that? Taco Bell? Yes. I <laughs> got Taco Bell. I know. Uh, so when you're, t- when you do these videos, uh, I think that's great. Um, so I want to go into some practical stuff here. When you're doing interviews, stories, testimonies, the question I hear more than any other question when we're talking about videos is how do you gather those stories to set mm-hmm. up for, cause I mean, where do you find them? How, what's your system? What's your on-ramp? Like, where do you come up with all these to have videos on a regular basis? So can yeah. you tell us what your process is or like, where you, what you think about that? Yeah. So we, um, we're at six campuses and so we'll, we will sometimes as a centrally based 
creative and communication team be even more removed from those boots on the ground story. And so that's the first thing that we do is we need to have those boots on the ground. So we will connect on a regular basis um, after our service experience and talk to our campus pastors or campus coordinators, people who are um, having those high touch experience and hearing those stories and, and asking them for those life transformations. Hey, um, what's the story you heard this weekend that you think is worth showcasing? Um, and, and the, the questions you ultimately ask are the answers that you're ultimately going to get. So we make sure we ask that question at each of our, our recap meetings post-service. And regardless if you're multi-site, if you're one site, if you've got 1,000 people, if you've got 100 people, you can do that in your community. Even if it's you and your secretary as the, the, the lead pastor yeah. sitting down and saying, hey, did you hear anything? Um, let's find out where those stories are. So first of all, you need to ask for that. Is um, is one way, and I, one, and, I, and I imagine that when you ask on a regular basis, and you're you're faithful with that, that people start thinking about it more, too. Yes, and it kind of you trains should, your people. So they'll even go into your weekends saying, "Oh man, where's that?" I always, every Monday we're asked, "Where yeah. are those stories of life yeah. transformation?" Yeah, I gotta have Sunday something. Morning. I gotta have something to say. I know he's gonna ask me. You know, you know, it's like, I don't want to go to that meeting without anything. You know, he's going to say, where's the life transformation? Uh, I'm sorry. I was making a graphic. <laughs> and not, beyond that, it keeps, it keeps the vision of we're yeah. here to change lives, not just make sure we have a, a technically flawless service right. or that our transitions were nailed. Like we do that so that we can have transformed lives. So where, where are those stories? Uh, so we'll ask that question. The other thing is we will try to give um, avenues for that as well. Like we'll, we'll, we have a, a webpage, liquidchurch.com slash stories, mm-hmm. in which highlights some of the key stories that we shared over the year. And on that page as well, we have an opportunity. If you have a story of life transformation, email us. We'd love to possibly showcase that down the road. So we create those avenues of uh, for people who just kind of stumble upon the stories and want to share those stories. It also telegraphs to our community that we are a storytelling people. So, hey, this is just natural. This is what we all do. We all kind of open up our chest cavity and show the, 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 the dark part of our soul that God came in and re- restored and is continuing to restore. And that gives him glory. So this is what we do. It seems a little messy, and this might be new to you, but that's what grace is all about. And ultimately, that points towards the grace giver. So we do that. That's part of our community here. So as much as you can flag that and communicate to your people that this is a normal part of our experience, it sets them up for when they have that tender story. Oh, yeah, I'm going to share that because I've seen other people share tender stories. Uh, And that's probably the last thing I would say is um, you might think, oh, gosh, we aren't there. Well, uh, if you just start, if you start doing it, you'll get there. So you might look around and say, as the lead pastor, you know, hey, I don't, I don't have that culture. We're, we're a pretty closed community. People don't share very much. Um, we're not very intimate that way. People are a little standoffish. How do I get there? Then I would say model it. So even if you don't have other stories, bring your own stories to the table. Show vulnerability. Show authenticity. Show restoration and redemption in your own life. That, um, that you are a life that is being transformed by God's goodness. And then when you make the call to other people, hey, it's a safe place. I've seen the pastor do that. He didn't get fired. <laughs> He's yeah. still here with us. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll consider doing that as well. So take the lead. Uh, lead by example. Yeah, I think that's great. Also, I, 
you you reminded me of something. We have a page like that too. It's called gospelrisk.org where we tell mm. our people to go and take gospel risks for the gospel and then tell mm. us about it. And you can go through it through our app or through the webpage. I don't know if there's a link on our stories mm. page. I just mm. put that together. Like, man, I need to go in and make sure that because I'm building a new website right now. So I haven't really addressed a lot of things on our old webpage because I'm working on the new one, but that's a good thought. I would also say set some goals. You know, I, I Last year, I know in talking to our video producer, um, he, he was saying, we, we only told like three stories on video last year. Mm. And, and he's going, we got to do more. And so we set a goal to try to tell one video story per month, mm. and, you know, just, just one. So, and we're a larger church too. So, I mean, we're, we're baby stepping up to, like you just said, set some goals, start doing it. And even if you only got one every two months, you know, do it, you know, get, get one, go, get get thinking about it. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you, when you're doing these uh, interviews, let's get into the practical, like how to here. Uh, When you're doing these interviews, a lot of times you'll get people sometimes that are really not good on camera. They're really shy. They mumble. They don't talk really well in front of people uh, or they talk for a really long time before they get to a point and you're trying to pare it down later in post. You're like, what happened in this shoot? So can you tell us how to get some good footage of these interviews to make succinct, maybe complete sentences? How do you coach them through that? Yeah, and I, I could I could break this up in terms of the, the pre-production, production and post-production, or do you just want me to because there's, I can get really get in the weeds, uh, but I usually segment things that way. Is that helpful for your audience to yeah, talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's talk. Let's just talk about uh, production, the actual filming of the video, setting up the video, you know, calling them ahead of time, what, giving them questions. What do you do? Yeah. So, um, so what we do to to set up that process is we we first of all make sure we know what their story is. So. The lead pastor might say, oh, gosh, I, I know so-and-so. This is the story. Go get it. Well, just making sure that the lead pastor and your subject know what that story—they're on the same page as towards the story, and you as the producer or the one capturing that story, you're all in alignment. To me, that's one of the key steps, because if you don't have that, um, then it's not going to work, right? Yeah. Then you, the video yeah. you're going to have so that's is like, you're going to show it. Yeah, That's like start at the end before you really start. Like Exactly. And if you if you can't state what the story is in three to four sentences, then you're not ready to start recording. So I wouldn't even because then you do all that work right, and you get it into yeah. production, you get into the edit booth, and you're like, this is just a mess because I thought they were a Christian and they're still um, they're still in a pagan cult. Oh wow! <laughs> and, <laughs> and this this is not going to work the way I thought it was. So first of all, it, um, it's it saves everybody's time to make sure. What you want to get is what you're going to get. And then um, it just really refines your storytelling. So make sure you know what those what that is, what the story is. From there, you can develop your questions and answers. And I always want to you always want to do a pre-phone interview with your subject so that, OK, so I think I know what the story is. Based upon that, I'm going to develop a list of questions that I think will elicit that story. And I think I know what those answers are before I show up to the record time ask those questions over the phone and verify um, that's what you're going to get. First of all, it either, either verifies that where the story is or um, it lets you know what it isn't. You need to tweak it or it lets you know there's a better story that you didn't even realize was there and you can kind of pull out that narrative thread. Uh, so that's the next thing that yeah. I tell people. Um, the other thing, I'd probably like the last thing before the record date is this um, stating shareability up front is really key in terms of what we talked about before in terms of reach. So you've got this great video 
you want to show it in your services and um, afterwards, online, websites, social media, et cetera. So I always tell the people up front, hey, look, we're going to share this story um, beyond our services because we think it's incredible. We think uh, what God did in your life is awesome, and we want as many people to hear that as possible. And if people are uncomfortable with that, generally speaking, um, we don't move forward on a story because it's going to take a lot of production time for us to capture it. And if they're not ready for us to, to share it, then they're probably not ready at a place to share it. And I'd say like nine times out of 10, you get, you get um, agreement on that. Maybe like the one odd time you win it, yeah. but getting that up front is much better than, uh, than <laughs> pasting it on your uh, Facebook uh, wall and uh, <laughs> doing some ad sponsorship yes. and then coming back saying, Oh my goodness, you talked about my pornography addiction with the whole world. I didn't know you were going to do that. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> and then you, you got to retract. So state, we're going to share this up front. Uh, or, you know, you maybe find a middle ground. Hey, I, I do want to talk about my porn addiction, but I only want to talk about it to the people in the room. I'm not comfortable beyond. Okay. We think that's a powerful enough, uh, enough story. We're willing to limit the distribution because of how important it is. Got it. We're all on the same page. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of beforehand. And the, the day of when I get people towards the room, one of the things I try to do is keeping them out of the room. Uh, the, rec- the recording room until it's set up. Sometimes you'll get somebody on set, you'll get them in the chair, and then they're watching the whole room be set up around them. And it's a kind of dizzying experience. It's an overwhelming experience. And so I try to keep them out of that recording room as long as possible to avoid that from them. Hmm. Uh, That's interesting. Then, Does that, do you think that really affects them when they're in their interview quite a bit? I, uh, I find this, um, I used to uh, do television uh, reporting and producing, and one of the the phrases my the executive producer used to give me was, "Once the the talent, the subject, the interviewee got on set, as you want to, as the interviewer, um, you want to envelop them in a cocoon of safety and intimacy, and you don't break that cocoon until the recording's done, um, and you try not to even do it then. So once they show up on set, your job is the interviewee. How you doing? It's so great to be here. Um, tell me about the wife and kids again. And you're not the, – the, everything else is behind the scenes. You yeah. know, you, you get them mic'd up as seamlessly as possible. Um, you wait till the room settled. Hey, why don't you sit down here? This is a pro tip. I love this tip. What they would do is – and what I would do as well, if you, if you have an interviewer and a recorder, is once they are ready to roll – um, tap you on the shoulder as you, as the interviewer, you know, so you, you're sitting down in the chairs. We're talking, Seth, you and I are talking. It's great. Tell me about the kids again. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, Hey, you know what? Uh, beyond the kids, you were telling me before about that addiction you struggled with. It's gambling, right? Like, how's that coming along? Oh man, that's incredible. And we're just going to seamlessly go into this interview process and you're not even aware of it. And the cameras are rolling. And after we're done talking for half an hour, I said, Seth, thanks so much. I'm, I'm so glad you shared your story. That was really powerful. And you said, wait, aren't we going to record this? To which I say, yes, we have been the whole time. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, I don't know how many, I don't know how many times I've had interviews like that struggle just because they were talking to me just fine before. And then I said, all right, let's start. And they go, uh, uh, and there's nothing to say. I'm like, are you serious? And it's like, you just said it's so great. Say it like that. And they can't do it. It's amazing to me. That's a great tip. Thanks for that. The the worst thing to say, it's it's counterintuitive, but the worst thing to say in, in an interviewing set is action because then the interviewer knows, oh, this is for real. And so we don't do that at all. I tell the video, the, the producer, uh, sorry, the videographer, man, I want you to be um, 
seen and not heard, or maybe not even seen. Try to like literally try to hide behind the camera in the recording process. <laughs> that this is an inter- uh, this is a cocoon of safety between me and the person that I'm trying to elicit and pull out that story from. And the less you're noticed, and the less all these technological gear is noticed, the better it's going to be for people. So um, I always tell them that. And then the, the one thing that's you know it's kind of like a spiritual thing, but I always try to do at the end of the interview is just praying with the person. Because if you're in the church world, um, this will make sense to you. If you're not, it probably won't. Uh, but it's a spiritual principle that anytime we push forward, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness wants to push back against us. And anytime we're going to come forward to say, this is a powerful story of how God's changed your life and your life can be changed as well, then... Um, the adversary, the enemy, the Satan doesn't want that to happen. And so uh, I always pray for spiritual protection over that person who shared that story, that God would uh, protect them as the story goes out, because that is going to kind of uh, ruffle some feathers in the enemy's uh, rank. And so I always pray over that by somebody. Instead of saying, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being vulnerable. Now go on out there and, and best of luck and leaving them high and dry. I say, hey, as we go through this experience, as this story rolls out, uh, kind of pastorally, I'm here for you as well. And I want to do that now. And I want to let you know that I'm here for you. That's great. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise some stuff within you as the story rolls out again. Yeah. And I think sometimes as technical practitioners and professionals, we kind of forget in the church world that we are pastors, even if we're you know, running a camera or a microphone boom, or interviewing a person, and we're so disconnected from it, we're just here doing a job. You know, it's it's so easy to slip into that and forget that I have a pastoral duty here. Even if I'm not like considered a pastor, it's like I am in charge of this person for for a bit, you know, to mm-hmm. help help them spiritually because they're about to share something that's difficult and it could it could be hard, you know. Um, especially when, you know, it's a, it's a hard story and it, and it gets really emotional and you're, you're standing there going, Oh, what do I do? What do I do? You know, it's like the pastoral side has to kick in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. So, so tell me through the process when you're coaching them and, and talking them through this interview. So you just do it naturally. You just kind of let the conversation flow. I tried to make the interviewing process seem like a conversation. <laughs> so yeah. it's still a process. It's still a lot of science um, to it as well. But you're going to try to remove those barriers as, to, to, to try to get into that. Some of the things I'll state up front, just so like it's kind of, hey, some grand rules. I'm going to have you incorporate my questions into your answers mm-hmm. so people have a context for what you're saying. And you might even forget that. I'm, I'll pause you and I'll just rephrase the question and we'll go again. Don't worry. You're, you didn't mess up. Uh, it's okay. Uh, but I'm just going to ask for that as we go through the whole interview. The other key thing in terms of like setting up the interviewer for interviewee for success is I always, this sounds silly, I always have to remind them that it's not live. Um, and actually, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not that silly anymore because like back in the day, right? Like this is, again, before like, I, you know, I've been in the business for a while, you would record someone. And of course, this isn't live because we don't have the technology for right. that. Um, not so anymore. This. Exactly. And so now you pull out a camera. And the default used to be we're recording now to show later. The default now is we're recording now and we're showing now. Whatever when you have your phone on, I presume I'm, I'm, that is being live streamed on some type of platform, whatever it may be. And so um, it yeah. is key to tell people this isn't live. So first of all, that, that diffuses them, right? Takes all the pressure off. Let's them know. Don't worry. Um, we can do retakes. Uh, it also lets people know that if um, we're going to make you look the best as you can, we're going to let the story sound as good as it can. So we're here to set you up in the story for success. And there's no, there's not going to be any gotcha questions. Um, there isn't going to be flub moments. That's going to be out on a blooper reel. 
This is this is an intimate thirty minute uh, you know experience, but it's going to be compressed to an awesome three minute story. Yeah, I, awesome. Um, do you tell them like so? You're telling them like com- answer me in complete sentences, basically, so that I don't mm-hmm. have to be on the video. You know, yeah. you don't want the interviewer's questions to be in there and then kind of go be like a television news interview. You want it where they're just talking. You, it's, they're telling their own story as best as they can. Um, so let's let's look at that at the post editing process a little bit. I know we can't go into too much detail uh, because it is very, a very technical thing and, and you need to show a lot of times more than just tell. But in terms of story, what are you typically looking for when you're editing a story down? Because you'll get like a nine minute cut of footage uh, where, when you finally just cut out all the ums and whatever that you want to put in there and then you have a target. So what do you typically target your story interviews time-wise, and then how do you find that story that's in there and pick, because there's usually more than one, which one do you pick? Like, how do you come to that? Yeah. So one of the things that I'll do is I'll come back to that three to four sentence story description. And, and hopefully you will have had clarity on this is the story we want to tell. These are the questions that we need to get and need to ask because these are the answers we're looking for. So hopefully you're not going to have, if you do that homework up front, you're not going to have too much homework on the back end. And the, the answers you're going to have is just a matter of condensing them um, and, you know, uh, maybe dropping one or two out. So hopefully that's the case because you did the homework up front. Um, if, if it's not, um, what I like to do in the editing process is I like to get an extra set of eyes on it. So I got it down to five minutes. I was like, Gosh, man, I, I'm so in the weeds. It's hard for me to have an objective eye. What I'll do is I'll tell somebody else, hey, Seth, I got this great story. It's five minutes. It really feels like it needs to be down to two or three um, this is the big idea. Let me tell it to you. You watch it and then you tell me what doesn't work anymore. It's, it's one of those situations where you've been involved in this process for so long, you lose a bit of that objectivity. You need someone to come out with a fresh set of eyes. And you might think, gosh, that third question I asked was she started tearing up. I, I really have to keep that. But you might look at it and say, well, that's not part of the actual story. She was talking about um, how her, her husband left her and, but the story is about their adopted daughter, and that, that that part doesn't play into it. So you got you know it's a great response, but it doesn't tell the story well. So I always try to get an objective set of eyes on that. So whatever wherever size church you are, that can apply, right? Yeah. You can always even if it's your spouse, you're you know the lead pastor. You did this video on your phone. You cut it on iMovie. Awesome. Get your spouse to look at it and say, is this a good story? Where's the fluff? Help me cut some stuff out. Is the first thing that I try to do. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we haven't talked about this as well, but if you're looking to tell a tight story in editing, any visuals that you can use to support this is very beneficial. That's kind of industry term that's called B-roll, the visuals that talk about this. Again, going back to the homeless story of the guy living under the bridge, getting him, getting that shot of the bridge where he used to live under and using that when he's talking about that. Again, you want to show as much as you can tell. So as much visual as you can cram into the story and show it as well as tell is very beneficial. Yeah. And that's good. I'm glad you brought that up. Getting that extra stuff where you're just filming with no intention of using the audio behind it, you know, or whatever, like the street or of the hands as they're messing around with their hands, you know, or what this B-roll that is so important because standing there, sitting there, just listening to somebody talk and watching them sit in a chair not only makes your editing difficult when you have to cut things audio wise for the story, because then it affects your video. You need something to kind of put over that so you can make those transitions really smooth. I like that. That's good. I'm glad you brought that up. The other thing is too, I I love 
doing that with our um, our production guy. He'll come into my office and go, hey, will you look at my what I've got here? I've got nine minutes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. or seven minutes and I need it to be three. And so I'll come in and go, yeah, this thing, I don't know why you put that there. And that's like six minutes of what you've got, dude. You know, and he's like, oh my gosh, that makes total sense. And it's not that I'm brilliant. It's just that I'm the second set of eyes. I always feel like if I'm editing and I'm cutting things that I like out of the video to make it shorter, then I Mm -hmm. did, I did good on the front end. I did, I did my homework really well. Yeah. And your, your people might be asking you talked about like duration right there, right? So what is, what is a good story? Does it have to be two minutes? Is it supposed to be nine minutes? And that's, I I usually tell people like fit it within the, the, the storytelling platform that you have. So a movie people are going to watch. That's the only thing that you're going to experience, right? Is the movie. So you can take, you can take the, the 90 minutes or it can be the Lord of the Rings extended cut and it'd be four hours. Yes. As it should be. Yes. It's, I, won't, yeah. I won't crap on that. Sorry. They realize it's hallowed ground. <laughs> it should be four hours. Put it all they, in there, Peter Jackson. They can have four, um, you know, closing credit scenes and curtain calls on the last movie. Yes, yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's make this also motion footage. Great. Um, <laughs> that was the weirdest so, part of that movie, man. I'm telling you when they're talking and it's in slow-mo. It's just it was I, a great experience until I started to fall asleep and my legs fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I love those movies. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So, so what I usually look is if your service, you know, a lot of uh, kind of Protestant church services in the states right now, you know, run between you know sixty and ninety minutes. Um, if you're looking at that format, and you know, maybe a message is anywhere between like thirty and forty-five. Well, how long should a story be in that message? You know, that message package and that overall experience. I usually tell people anywhere between like two and four minutes. Um, is kind of the right size for that platform. Uh, anything less than that, it's hard to tell a compelling story in two minutes unless it's a really tight, like, you know, we're just telling one point, it's one big idea and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's any arc or flow to the story, then it's going to be hard to tell in less than two minutes. And any more than four minutes, that be, then it should be a very, very compelling story with a lot of beats to it. Um, right. But if you can't, then you're... I would say like you could probably tighten up your, your, your storytelling game. If you're, you know, if you're going five, six, nine minutes long, that is, um, that usually drags on. And if you don't believe me, then like show it to an unchurched friend and see when they like check out. Yeah. When their eyes glaze over and they're like, yeah, I'm done, man. And they're going to be the hardest. And that, you know what, that like, that's the audience in your church. You got people there. Don't know you don't know the subject aren't necessarily compelled on sold in Christ yet. Yep. And you want to keep them engaged. And if they're not, then you got to tighten up that story. Yeah. And I'll say too, as a social media guy, my concern then is for different formats, uh, for different platforms. I mean, the video needs to be a certain link to be able to, to put it out, you know, for Instagram has a one minute limit. So if a videographer cuts stories where every minute he kind of faded or something, that would be so great because I could put it out in sections uh, Mm -hmm. without really having to re-edit anything. Or on Facebook, you've got really no limit, but you got a file size limit, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, just thinking about that ahead of time too, in formatting and how you you choose your limits and choose your, your, your links, it helps with social and getting that story out further as well. Yes. So the, the thing I found helpful in terms of the editing process too, is trying to get the eyeballs of whoever is going to be communicating it on it earlier than later. So in other words, if it's going to be your lead pastor, he's using it in the message, get it to him midweek, uh, because then he'll want to maybe make tweaks and make some changes to that. Instead of Saturday night, you get it to him Saturday night. Uh, he's not pleased with it. Then you have no chance to turn it around or to tweak it. So whatever your timeline is, make sure you give yourself, um, 
give yourself a chance to make that initial draft and then the final draft, at least two drafts, the initial draft and the final draft. And that gives you a chance, your, your communicator to give you feedback, to make the product better, to make them happier with it, and ultimately make that experience on a Sunday morning service even better. Yeah. And I think that helps your relationship with your pastor as well. Um, if you constantly are the guy that is putting him in a bind and like, oh, we had this really great thing. I was counting on it, or I really look forward to it. And then wah, 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 sad mm-hmm. trombone, can't do it too late. I didn't like it, whatever. Then he's going to stop asking you to do things. You yeah. know, he's going to get frustrated with you and that's going to cause that relationship to have a little static. And then your job is going to be more difficult in the future. So let's talk about music real quick before we, uh, before we start to wrap up the music on a, on a video is so important to creating that mood, to creating that, that feeling that you feel maybe in the room or, or even live that you might feel that you may not get on video. So Tell us a little bit about how you choose music and maybe even some places that you can go to get music you can actually use that's not illegal. Yeah, so music is vital to telling the story. It sets the emotional tone. So even before you hear what someone's saying, you hear that first, you know, the string and you know, tugging on my hearts. Oh, gosh, I know, I know where this story is going to go. So it sets the tone for where the story is going to go. And so it's vitally important as much as what's happening elsewhere. Sometimes we'll even pick out the music before we know the answers to the story, because we know it's that uh, important to tell the, 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 the story well. The big question people ask me, <laughs> what you asked, and so, hey, how do I get this music? Um, how do I get it inexpensively, and how do I do it legally so that I'm not going to get thrown in uh, jail or that I'm not going to uh, burn my budget on this? There's four, like, there's kind of four or five main sites that I push Anybody, whether you got you know a thousand people church, a hundred people church, great places to find music would be premiumbeats.com, uh, melodyloops.com, audiojungle.com, musicvine.net, and the last one's a little odd. It's um, art-list.io. That's a little more kind of artsy fartsy, but those are the five sites that I found to be have great content, has different content at each of them, and you'll be able to find a great song on one of those places. And again relatively inexpensive. Awesome. And, and, and tagging on to that, you know, you're thinking about paying for music because those are pay sites. I mean, they're not free, but they're cheaper, right? They're, they're, they're affordable. Yeah. Some, you know, $5 for a song, some maybe a little more expensive, some of the really nice stuff you might be spending 25, 40, 50 bucks, but it's, it's like, you, oh gosh, I spent 50 bucks for this song. It sets the tone for what people are going to hear. Like, do you want them to pay attention to your video? Yes. Then spend the 50 bucks on the song yeah. and pull them in. It's totally worth it. I think this has been really great stuff. Um, this is very helpful, very practical. So tell everybody where they can connect with you online to find out more about this or kind of follow what you're doing and especially how to find you and connect with some of these tips and tricks that you're, you're talking about. Yeah, you can find out more about me at benstapley.info or you can connect with me on social media at benstapley. I'm usually on most platforms under that handle. Yeah. And again, I'll tell you, go to Instagram. There's a lot of great stuff going on there with you. Uh, I think those little short clips have been super helpful. Just great, compact little pieces of info that you can apply immediately. It's been great. Good. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This has been awesome. I've had a blast. Thanks so much. I love your audience again. Love this experience. Well, thanks. And and before you go, we always do a five on the spot with our guests, five random questions you haven't seen beforehand that are really just ridiculous for for the heck of it. So let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. Five questions. Question number one, if you had to name your beard, what would you call it? Manly. Manly? The name is Manly? Manly? 
Yeah. Manly beard. That's awesome. I would. I'm thinking about naming mine George Michael. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to shave it down a little bit more. I can't be. Yeah, bushy. you got to keep it tight there. I used. I used to have a huge beard, and it was. I, I called it Willie. Oh, I've never thought. I've always named my cars. I've never named my facial hair. That's going to be my 2007, <laughs> uh, you know, goal there. Yeah, There's it's like sparkles. Somebody, somebody I know started an Instagram account. I can't remember what it was called, just for his beard, and it was like random scenes of him and his beard, <laughs> and just the beard, not his face, but his beard next to a Coke can or something. I don't know. It was really stupid. It didn't last very long. But anyway, all right. Number two, you're on a desert, deserted island, and only have three books. What are they? Mm, I've enjoyed uh, rereading um, Amusing Yourself to Death by Neil Postman, uh, written in the 70s, but really applies to today. And uh, um, I'd, I'd probably have to say by default the Bible. Um, and um, I like the science fiction works by, um, gosh, I'm going to butcher his name. Um, it's completely, completely blanking. He's the guy who uh, wrote all the books that were the movies based on, like Blade Runner. Oh, I, I was thinking you meant L. Ron Hubbard. Was it L. Ron Hubbard? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not that science fiction. Not that work. science fiction? Okay. Slash religious work, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good. Okay, number three. What's something surprising about New Jersey that most people don't know? Uh, um, Jersey is, it's actually pretty cinematic and scenic. There's, so there's people that normally think of maybe the Meadowlands or they think of, um, industry and factories, but there's a whole section to it. The, the West side and South side of Jersey that is a little more scenic and, uh, rural and, and beautiful. So that is surprisingly pleasant to live here. Yeah. Being so close to New York city, I think you get the stigma of being very Metro instead yeah. of rural. I mean, you're called the garden state. I mean, there's a reason for that, right? It is lush. It it's is very, very lush. lush. Yeah, I've been there, and it's it's really pretty. I was I was surprised at that as well. Um, all right, so number four, what's a band whose music has changed your life? It's been life. Uh, I've kind of tracked with Radiohead since I was younger. I've always found their mu- music influential to me. I don't know if I changed my life, but it is kind of a bit of a soundtrack for my life. Nice radio. So you're a Radiohead fan. Yeah. yeah. What's what's uh, what's your favorite? What do you think is their best album? Um, Amnesiac. Amnesiac, really? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's what I enjoy the most. Yeah, I had that one. It came out right after Kid A, right? Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, my favorite is definitely OK Computer. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, I, it's, yeah, I'm a classics kind of '90s guy. <laughs> All right, so question five. This is a big one. All right, you ready? Drop it on me. Who loves Kanye more, God or Kanye? Oh, can we can we tie it on that one or no? <laughs> I think it might be a tie. Who would win in an arm wrestling match? Can we go with tie? (laughs) I'm going to overspeak. You know what? No one can beat God. So Kanye, you may love yourself a bit, but guess what, Kanye? God loves you. Mike dropped here even more. Yes. And and it's, and it's, it's very close still. It's very close, but God definitely loves Kanye more than Kanye loves Kanye. But not to throw him under the bus. That might be true for all of us, though. (laughs) That's very true for all of us. I'm I'm a little self-absorbed as well. Kanye is very obvious about it. He's very very upfront. At least least you know where you stand with Kanye. Exactly. Exactly. It's second. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. I think this has been really great. I can't wait for our audience to hear this and, and get started on their video production department at their churches, even if they're a tiny church or a large mega church and improving. So thanks again for coming on the show, man. Thanks, Seth. Again, enjoyed it so much. Wow. 
I don't know if you feel like I do, but listening to that again was like drinking from a fire hydrant. It's just so much, so many good things in this, in this episode. Um, go get show notes for this sethmuse.com slash 90 sethmuse.com slash nine zero and get all these links and, uh, start making great videos that really compel your people to, uh, some kind of action. They inspire them. Um, things like that. So thanks for listening to the seminary of hard knocks. Hopefully you'll subscribe, share this with your friends. Love you guys. Have a great week.